Well, 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 well. Good evening, everyone. Actually, by the time you are listening to this, it will be morning. It is 10 p.m. on uh, is it Tuesday, August 11th right now. So, a couple things before we get into this. Um, I'll be live streaming tomorrow over the hump show, which is on Wednesdays. Now I think I mentioned in this episode that I do the stream on Thursdays. That is not the case anymore. Moved it to Wednesdays, 8 PM. Also, I have opened a merch store. So if you head over to jessehumphrey.com, that's your one stop area. You can actually stream the podcast from there. You can check out uh, where the, uh, the YouTube channel is, but also on the homepage, you can click the merch button and that'll take you to the store. So go over there, check that stuff out, buy up the shirts. They're super comfy and soft and awesome. And you're repping your favorite pod. There's also links to the Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash after the gig. Uh, you can check out the exclusive content and all those other things, which I'll be adding to uh, in the next probably week or so. I will also be playing live music in front of people. Yeah, I know it's crazy. It's crazy to even say that. But I'll be playing live music in front of people on Block Island at the National Hotel be playing from 5.30 to 9, I think. 5.30 to 8.30, 9 o'clock at the National Hotel on the back patio where the fire pit is and all that stuff. So be playing some tunes. If you are in the Rhode Island area and you want to come out to Block Island, it'll be a socially distance safe thing. And that'll be happening this Saturday and Sunday night, the 15th and 16th. So if you want to come out for a good time and hang out and uh, hear some tunes, Here's some tunes, dude. It's been a while. It's been a while since I've done it in front of people. So uh, I play guitar and sing. But other than that, getting straight to this episode. Cut into the chase. My man Adam Jackson, he's done sound for acts like Sia. He's done sound for Stephen Kellogg. He also did some TMing for, for Kellogg. Um, he's been all over the place, man. He's a class act super professional dude um and it's just a pleasure to talk to him it was a pleasure to work with him we haven't worked together actually all that much he's only done sound for me a couple of times but every time it's happened it's been great so enjoy this conversation sorry i'm a little subdued i'm trying to not wake up ethan right now but enjoy this conversation with adam jackson it it was really great and uh there's a bunch of extra audio here that i'm not sure if i'm going to make into a second episode or if i'm just going to pop it up on the patreon but um only time will tell only time will tell so enjoy this conversation with my buddy adam jackson our our uh, our industry was uh, <clears throat> as we all know um, uh, pretty it was hard. The first the first to get hit really. I mean honestly, I mean even before travel was stopped, the touring music industry was like when Coachella hit uh, or when Con- Coachella went away. You know, yeah. in uh, in um, in February, uh, we all knew, dude. We all knew because we're all yeah. travelers. We all know how this works and. Uh, and uh, I just knew I had a sense of like, oh shit, something's gonna be something's gonna be brutal. Um, but I have to admit, I I was a bit, I was a bit naive to it at first. Like we were on tour, sure. while it, while 
stuff was starting to hit the fan. And actually, I was on the rock boat uh, in January where like when when it was first kind of people like whispers about it. It was just kind of like a joke. Like, I was oh, in the Dominican Corona. Republic at the time. Yeah. Same thing. And, like and on an think, island. Like what? Yeah. And you don't even think anything of it. And I, um, you know, we got home. Then I went on that tour in March. And then as the tour was going on, I, it was like one day something there it was amped up and then the next every day was more and more information more and more cases and it got more serious like literally it was like one week where everything was just like amped up every single day oh dude march i remember it it was march 8th and i I remember look i remember uh i remember uh my phone vibrating i was sitting in my in my office doing work and preparing for the next five months of touring and crazy and schedule you know just starting from coachella with Jai Wolf, the artist I was with, to all, like, through July, solid, and then, you know, some staggered stuff through the fall, but, like, my phone buzzed, and it was my weather channel app of all apps that was just, like, you know, coronavirus declared a national, or uh, a, a global uh, pandemic, and I was like, oh, oh f- It's like, oh, shit. Um, yeah. But, you know, <sighs> what can you do, man? I mean, it, it, honestly, it's like this whole thing, guys like us, we, we gotta just... We got to stay patient. We got to be good. Uh, we got to be good role models, so to speak, for for everybody else. And uh, and again, like we were the first to go, and we'll be like some of the f- last to get back. Well, know? that's the thing. You know, I feel like I feel like uh, you know, entertainment industry people aren't aren't really thought of as like they're thought of as pretty. Um, uh what's the word i'm looking for expendable just, yeah expendable just not yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly not, right. yeah. not the not the most important thing to think of and it's just until you need it until you need it and it's subconsciously yeah. like one of the important things that we need in our everyday lives and i truly believe that and um oh for sure dude it, it, like the first like you said the first thing to go and it's going to be the last thing that people are thinking that we need again yeah, and we'll come the last thing that'll come back to normal i think i mean i don't there's no there's not even i don't personally think that we're even at a point yet that we can start dealing with this like 50 capacity thing i mean we're just right. not again it's people just the patience level and i get i get like if you own a business and you're you know you're ass has fallen out from you and you just like you you're struggling to pay bill like i'm not talking about you <laughs> i'm talking about the people that just so blatantly and irresponsibly made these decisions i mean the agents the managers the venue staff like what are people it's everybody thinking? yeah it's, it's everybody. just everybody and i mean you know if and the icing on the cake is for this like chase rice guy to post this bullshit post about like good to be back like you asshole it's like we're not back asshole dude we're not not back back. even one percent and like like live streaming events and all that stuff none of that is a a showing of us being back that is a that is a band-aid to a large gash you know like we're the live streaming is so flawed dude i mean we could go we could go so deep into this but like i don't you know i don't wait what do you mean I could the, go on a the live streaming is just so, is so broad just all these bands doing do it and all these flawed. places and so doing these li- doing these like live streams of oh like in production in actual yeah venues yeah. oh yeah. i see what you're saying and i don't again i dude i love i love you know i'm a musician f- first and foremost that's where I, my heart is i'm not ragging on any of these people that 
are trying to do this. I have friends and ven and venues and, and venue owner friends back home here that I've, that I work very closely and are doing things like this. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the, the medium is so not thought out yet. I mean, it's, it, right. it, there's a lot of work to do, uh, cr not only tech technically, which is, I, I say not only with like a grain of salt, cause it's a huge, not only, I mean, just putting something streaming through the internet to reach people without there being glitches there is already a major issue. But you know, you start uh, go like go upstream with it and talk about like the creative aspects, the create, you know, these, I see a lot of acts that are going up there and doing these full shows. And I'm not talking about like the, the, the people that are doing acoustic sets and all that stuff. That's, that's all good. But to pretend that we're like doing these live streams to nobody in a, in an empty venue or what, what have you, uh, like, and then the vibe is gone. They're, they're setting up on stage, like a normal rock band. It just is like, let's yeah. take this opportunity to get more creative to, you know, to, to try something new. I, you know, it's like, there's a lot of cool examples of how these things could be brought out. And I, I, I've brought up the, uh, have you ever seen well, the, it's, a, li the it's a little late. It's a little lazy. Um, it is because I think you're right. I think you bring up a really good point that if you are, if, um, you know, say you're cover, you're covering a song and you're in a band and you don't want to do it exactly like that. You want to do it in your own way to, yeah. you know, it's kind of that mentality. You want to go in and it's lazy to go up, set up as if you were going to play to a regular audience and just do your thing streaming. It's not going to translate the same way. I know. And they're like, people are like addressing the, it's like, hello, internet, hello, worldwide web. It's like, Oh yeah, it's no. a little, it's a little strange. I mean, I personally, I do a live stream on Thursdays from home and it's like, yeah. And I try to talk, to, you know, via the comments and, and make it interacting. Interesting. That's the key. That's the key that a lot of these shows are missing. And that, and that's the thing. A lot of these, n no one's interacting with a live audience when you're trying to do like a full production show. You know what I mean? I love you the idea really of having a full production show. Say, say if you're in like a, um, like a rehearsal setup, but you have yeah. the monitor with the comments on the screen, yeah. that's like on screen. And yep. then you can pull them in to the, to the thing and then make it like an interacting, an interactive thing like you said that would be cool my um, my point with that is like that would be a brilliant idea but if you're not going to do that then take away this necessity to live stream all you have to do is hire the same people the same video guy the same audio guy the same lighting guy the same the same venue what have yeah. you is rehearsal space venue whatever it is and and you track all of this stuff, you multi-track the audio, you, you know, you, you get seven or eight camera angles onto a, a you know, to a video, uh, rig and you, and you, uh, and you do this stuff in post within a day. But I feel yeah. like I see a lot, whether it's Lady Gaga dude or, or local bands or what, like it's, it, people are dying to do this like live stream thing. And it, it just always comes out low res glitchy, you yeah. know, the, the mix isn't great the thing like there's always so many pieces and then like the song ends and there's the band like looking out like just standing around <sighs> all right and well and then it's just like <laughs> like and the singer's looking over at him and he's like we we know we know this stuff it's sound check dude yeah it's, it's like check. you're just inviting the internet to watch your sound check and i to will me, say that's though, not that's not what a lot of bands want to have happen 
in defense you know? of, well there's a lot of bands that can't have that happen that can't well, that's have, what i mean that can't <laughs> adapt to that situation no, that I have know. to be very you know rehearsed and regimented and doing their thing because you know a lot of groups they'll have they'll tell the same story before a song and the same thing after the song it's like it's scripted uh, you yeah. know a lot of it is scripted out which is which is great um and it and it makes for a really good show in a lot of different places if you have a lot of moving parts you need to have these things in place it's like like a broadway show or whatever you know you're going to see yeah. the same show um but i do like the idea of having the live having the live stream i don't know if it has to be full band full orchestration on stage as if it was going to you were going to be at the thing but i do like the interactive idea i do like the um anything could kind of could happen kind of thing um you know would you agree even with that point would you agree that that there's a large majority of people who watch these things after the fact even if it's that night you did it eight from eight to nine and 10 11 12 o'clock that night as people are coming home or do what you know they're watching the so that's that's where i tons of people watch mine after the fact and i i started to go in put the video into final cut and take out take out take the songs do some edits and yeah, yeah. and i just put the yeah. songs in so people can listen yeah. to the songs i put the timestamps in so yeah. they can listen to the songs i take out the ones that are that i fucked up you know that are shitty or whatever so take out some space in between and all exactly. that stuff yeah exactly so people can trim ahead you know let's get this thing moving not everyone wants to listen to me for 45 minutes or whatever so. yeah or any anyway. one cool th- one cool thing i love is the uh and again, my, my whole points are just about like when you're trying to up the production, if you're trying to do something lower key and you're trying to really connect, like that's a big thing. But, you know, you see a lot of these uh, performances where it's bigger scale and you really, I don't know, for me, maybe it's just me. I don't, you know, but I, this is my, I am the behind the scenes, you know, creative and, you know, of all aspects kind of Yeah, what guy, would you do? Been, so. So I, so one of the things, and I, I mean, I, I, I hate to give it away, but I love to give it away. Is like the, even though it's not my idea, I just love, uh, have you ever seen the, from the basement series? I haven't seen the series, um, but I've heard a lot about it and it's something that I really want to check out. Yeah. It, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, Radiohead did in rainbows and, uh, King of limbs, like both album cycles they went in and it's basically a, uh, it's a studio, um, Malveda studio, I believe it's what it's called in London. And, uh, it's Nigel Godrich who recorded all of Radiohead and all that stuff. He's the engineer and producer. Uh, he has these bands, uh, and, and other bands have done it too. Like Queens of the stone age did it. I mean, they have like a, so I think I watched, yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw that in rainbows session. I watched it like over and over again. So that, that was that. so they set up the bands. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's darkly lit. It's in like yeah. a rehearsal space looking thing. You yeah. can see all the techs and all their, all their guitar boats and all that stuff all in the background. I you know, dr- love that stuff. So, love it. so they set up the band in a circle and in between songs, instead of like, there's no host or anything. And instead of addressing a host or the internet or worldwide web or whatever, you're like awkwardly kind of trying to say you, uh, you're talking to each other, right. the band. I yep. mean, why, why, unless I am at a show, having a drink, dancing with my wife, and, do, and like, well, like, why do I want to hear Homeboy tune up, and why do I want to hear... Again, if, if you're not addressing the crowd, if it's not like a taking questions in between, if you're trying to put on a show, um, 
then uh, yeah, like set them up in a circle. Have somebody you can set up tripod shots around the whole thing. You can have someone in black with a handheld going around and like zooming in on your snare drum as you're playing, or you know, a mandolin yeah. or anything. And you can get get some like people need to start getting some worth out of getting a little more up close and impersonal and in touch with the musicians and these people that I like all, all of us, all of our friends and like people have a lot to say right now. People want to tell stories. That's all they've been fucking thinking about for months now. And it's like, get it, get a little more out other than like, you guys have 40 minutes. You can probably do like seven, eight songs. And then in dispersed in between, we're going to do a bunch of awkward commercials and it's going to be awkward. Like just, and it's like, Oh, the whole, the whole, uh, like corporations trying to commercialize live streams is just, yeah, it's crazy. And and there's a lot, dude, there's a lot of people donating time right now. You, I know a lot of people would hear this and be like, well, you know, dude, time is money. And like, I get that. Mm -hmm. I get that. But I'm also a type of guy that I'm sorry, but like, if it's not right, or if it's not, if it's not going to like put in that full worth and show that full worth, like it's not worth doing. Well, if it doesn't have any artistic or creative integrity, yeah, I mean, I I that's important. I've never been able to like progress in my career by being the guy that's like, "Ah, whatever, you know, it's like that, that shit does not fly after a certain time period. Like people, you know, or you being in the business a certain length and trusting your opinion. And, um, I, I think that, uh, people are scared like, you know, anyways, to get back to the thing, like people are scared to, um, to try new stuff with with all this that's going on and i want to see some more creativity i think that people can can do that i'd love to see a series of you know um just seeing any band just hearing stories they they end a song and they talk about you might have bullet points or topics but you know bring up some bring up some some stories some road stories you know and then and then if again if you take away this live streaming aspect that i get is like has some value in certain areas like you you can now take the time to to fix all this and post and really put together something that everybody from from the audio guy the monitor guy on stage to the front of house guy to the lighting guy the video guy to the band to the, you know everybody can like be proud of but i hate seeing shit rushed together dude like yeah the only yeah. good live streams that exist are like rock Am ring and rock Am park and like all these like euro festivals it's like you know David Bowie playing, you know, gla- you know, you know, I, I don't know, you know, it's like Isle of Wight or something, some festival, crazy, awesome. Uh, and if it doesn't have that energy, then like, it just doesn't resonate. I don't know. Right. Yeah, no, but, I, that's true. It definitely something, something definitely gets taken off the top when, when you're doing the live streams. And I love, I love the vibe of having the the band in a circle interacting with each other talking it's yeah. almost it almost reminds me of seeing um you know like live if you, if you see live sports like a basketball game or a hockey game and there's no sound there's no crowd or whatever you hear all the interactions with each other yeah. the swearing the, the the sound of like the sticks on the ice the sound yep. of the the uh you know just the yeah, sound the skate of the stopping game. to yeah. you know the the doors to the penalty box slamming and yeah, all that, yeah. It, it's a it's it's a completely lost it, it's a thing that we've lost and we've gotten used to you know crowd noise the like all that stuff and um and we miss out on these like really special key moments between like of of interactions um and i think that's man that's a great 
that's a really cool thing and a really cool idea. I would love to see that in um, in a uh, in like a live stream setting, but I think you know you're not going to get you're going to get more out of it if you do it as a you know a recorded recorded thing. Fix it in post, change your. It's like you bring all stuff. the people in there. The band rehearses. You bring all the production in. Everybody's doing their work, and it's like you know if a live stream just gets messed up, you're just like. And of course, yeah, you can, you can post everything after the fact and it's, uh, and, and you can fix in whatever, but you also don't, you know, you creatively, artistically, you, uh, you know, you don't want to give away a shitty performance in the beginning either. So I'm all about like, again, just take the time, do it right. Have something that's like worth showing and, and worth presenting. Uh, um, but, uh, you know, I, I also, uh, like, have you seen any Stevens, um, shows that he's doing yeah i was actually going to mention <clears throat> mention that like kellogg is has been do, doing the stories he's made Those it are a perfect he's made it a thing dude. it's great it's, it's really just really like, great yeah it's it, and actually that, wearing and, a kellogg shirt yeah there you go nice nice I, I you know i i have so much respect for him jumping into all that and like and uh, i feel like he wasted no time um coming up with with that and and uh and of course there's a lot of people live streaming but just he like with what he has he's made it super unique and like that's my point like do have have it be unique and special and beautiful in its own way you know he's got the family coming up and singing with it like it's just awesome well the whole thing the whole thing to talk about his his uh his live stream the experience shows they were supposed it was unique in the first place with even without the COVID thing it was supposed to be in unique venues that weren't totally your normal such a good idea yeah like like bookstores and and like just cool vibey vibey areas which is like not what people he wanted do. to do the opposite of social distancing with a smaller crowd <laughs> i know like gather everybody close and like listen yeah. to this stuff and be and yeah but, but the thing is and, and he adapted he adapted to it he's yeah. he remain he sold the tickets and he provided them with an experience that was worth the money you yeah. know so you go and in if he keeps he'll keep doing this kind of stuff too and it's only going to get better and better you know what i mean yeah. like he's steven's yeah. a smart guy that listens to good advice i mean he takes his time to process it no doubt um but it's his it's his gig you know what i mean um yeah so i love it I, I think it's great and jessica kills it for him and just he's got you know he's got a uh he's got a good team over there yeah and, it, and it's so it's so like um you know it, it comes right into his vibe you know the storytelling and everything it's it's perfect it's like it's perfect it, yeah it, it was it was the adaptability mixed with what he already does really well and it's like all right you got something you got something yeah, and interesting his, and his fans aren't dumbass 18 year olds who are just like i want to go like this. like they will be like no. look at what this dude's doing right now like this is cool he's not just copping out and not to say that like canceling shows because you know again i've lost you know my entire year like all of us you know worth of a lot of dates and so uh it's not a cop out but you know what i'm saying like he just he didn't he didn't just take a pause he was like you know fuck this i'm i'm diving no i gotta do it 
and you know skunk dude he's a, it's that's not surprising you know it's not surprising at all you know, no, like i not at expected all. that he was going to do that so anyways uh yeah you know all this stuff is just it's like no need to make anybody feel bad or whatever but you know just i've always been the guy like i dude i don't get credits and i don't get all that like i, I have no n- nobody knows who i am probably most people listen to this have no idea who i am unless it's our friends you know but hell i uh, barely know who you are <laughs> exactly but like <laughs> i have no i've never had like i'm a musician turned you know engineer turned you know turned uh kind of creative director and all this stuff that I've kind of rolled, been rolling into, you know, for the last when did you go, years. And when did you go from musician to engi- engineer? I mean, so I always, I still play, I originally played saxophone. Um, and, uh, that's what I've have played since I was a kid and, um, was like, you know, very serious in all through school and, um, ended up after high school, like went to a university of Southern Maine as a, uh, jazz performance major. And, uh, an American really, man, history you, you minor. Got, you got that deep into it? Oh, that, for sure. Oh, dude, oh, wow. yeah. I was no, I was like lead alto in in the you know lead jazz band in, in high school, and and our school kicked ass. I mean, we won Berkeley Jazz Festival five years in a row. My senior year was the fifth and final year that that we had won it, uh, and uh, you know was really you know I was in bands all you know growing up, ska punk bands and stuff like that, and uh, so I was I was definitely like the rebellious loner kid not not like you know i was never drank or did any weird stuff because my dad would have killed me but uh <laughs> but uh but yeah but i was i was the you know i was the kid who went home every day and just like played guitar played sax played you know like i just like until it was way too late and uh but i was always like the i always knew that i could like just listening to music and things like that. I was, I noticed things a lot more than like a lot of other people I was around. And right. So kind of always had that in the back of my head. And, um, and the, the last record that, that my band was making at the time we were at a studio in town and you know, it's like, we just, we weren't too happy with, with the mix outcomes, the way they were happening. And I, there's just like a part of me that was like, I could do this better. I think, if I just okay. can learn, yeah. like they were using Nuendo or, or Cubase or one of those, it wasn't Pro Tools, um, but you know, just would stand behind him every day, like at the board and just, and just like watch what he's doing. And, uh, and you know, went through a lot of different studio experiences on the other side of the glass, as they say, uh, right. as a musician and, and uh, played on a lot of uh, people's stuff and, and whatever. Um, but I, so I, I just wanted to dive into that side of it and, uh, you know, there was the part of my head that was like, well, I don't want to be like a struggling sax player, you know, my, my whole life. And I was surrounded by some older musicians, uh, that were not the most, uh, their lives hadn't been great. Uh, <laughs> and let's just put it that way. Uh, amaze, like the most unbelievable musicians I've ever met, <clears throat> but like, you know, I, I just, I didn't want that life. Um, yeah, and, uh, I feel that. I feel that a lot every, every now and then, like I, when I was bartending, there was yeah. this, uh, there was this old timer named Harold Lane and he used to hang out with Miles Davis and the, uh, I, I would work, I would work every Wednesday night for jazz night and, and a, a group came in and they would, they would play old standards. They would yeah. you know, do all the stuff. And Harold was, uh, I think I hear I heard like a, a horn or something. Um, but Harold would come in and uh, a couple of guys would like take him, take him o- uh, under, 
his wing and pick him up from the nursing home, bring him in. And he would sit behind the drums for like two or three songs and just swing away. And I'm like, I was like, Oh man, this is so cool. And then, and then I really thought about it. I was like, this is actually, this is actually bumming me out a little bit because this is what become, this is what musicians become that only do that and can't maybe adapt to, uh, to, life as as like a an engineer do the smart thing like you did and, and really learn from the from your experience and say like hey if i want to stay in this for a long time i need to adapt and and do some other things yeah and that know? was definitely that was definitely a, a portion of it i don't want to make it seem like i was like a little scaredy cat and i mean but i mean i i also am very man enough to say that like i wasn't i wasn't the most proficient uh horn player you know, but I was, I've always been the type of kid, like after, you know, we'd get big sheet music in jazz band, four or five pages long. And dude, a, like after, you know, a couple run throughs, I'd start just putting my music away and I just mm. would know my part. And, uh, yeah. cause I've always been an ear guy, like grew up on the beach boys, just like listening to four freshmen and all that stuff. Like I've been listening to like parts and harmonies, like my whole, since I was a little kid, you know? Right. Uh, and so, so the, the bigger thing was like, I really want to like, I can, I can play horn and I can just be the, the fucking horn player, but I want to be like doing more stuff. And, uh, and so long story short, I decided with a, my, my best friend and I, um, Micah Davis, who I don't know if you've ever met Micah, he's a monitor engineer. He's works with, I don't think so. Brandy Carlisle, King princess. He does, he did owl city with me back in the day and all that stuff. Um, but, uh, and he's done some stuff with Steven as well. Um, anyways, him and I, who were in our band together in high school, we just decided like, you know, I was already a year into university of Southern Maine and wasn't super happy. And, um, and, uh, we just were like, let's go down to full sale. Like we just found, we saw a brochure about it and whatever. And, so we were like, let's go check it out. So we went down and did the tour and, and all that stuff. Went with our, our parents and took a, took just like flew down there and checked it out. And, uh, and we liked it. And, you know, it was like, it, they were going through some shit at the time, like fullsalesucks.com. They were going through litigation, like trying to oh, sue really? the people who made that. Yeah, dude. I mean, it honestly, it, uh, you either know or you don't know. It's like full sale gets a really bad rap especially on the road like i i don't tell many people i don't care at this point in my life in my career i don't give a shit if you don't if you laugh at the fact i went to full sale i'll tell you that i studied my ass off i you know had a good grade point average when i left there i left with the knowledge of of how to run pro tools that was by me going home after nine hours of classes and just sitting on pro tools every night working my ass off learning all the hot keys doing all the work and and uh, I graduated with four or five, you know, Micah and I both graduated with probably four or five dudes who are still to this day heavy in the business. And one of our best friends, Josh, is uh, he's been Justin Bieber's um, vocal engineer since Damn. he started, since he was a child. Really? He's done every single Justin Bieber vocal you hear is recorded by Josh and oftentimes auto-tuned and, and, and produced and you know, all that, all that stuff. He does yeah. all the production work on that stuff. And, and, uh, I hear, I hear that and, Bieber uh, is like, is like a wizard when it comes to, to creating his melodies and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's incredible. Jo- and Josh is, I know that kid gets a lot of bad shit too, but like, I trust Josh and Josh yeah. loves that kid to death. And he's, everybody likes to, everybody yeah. likes to hate on a young oh, they successful love hate, kid. Dude. 
Absolutely. They love, they love to hate on a young, successful kid, but I'll listen to, I'll listen to some John, uh, not John Mayer. I'll listen to some Justin Bieber. I listen to some John I'll Mayer, too. I'll listen to some John Mayer, for I'll sure, look, dude. Everybody for knows sure. I'm a big John Mayer fan, but I mean, Absolutely. I, like, I like Bieber. I, I'll, I'll say it here. This is this is a there's uh, nothing to hate. This the is kid, of exclusive. course, has, he has he has shit songs, but he has great songs too. He has great songs. Everyone just yeah. hates on his personality and and his you know off the court stuff. But it's, yeah, but uh, it's like the kids never said anything racist or sexist, right? Like I don't get what the flack is. If you don't like the kid, then he's fine. Kid, and I man. only say he has shit songs because it's like I'm just not into him. It's not my style. It's not right. nothing about it is shit. I'm just yeah. a New Englander who has a weird vocabulary, but <laughs> he's uh, a kid that works really hard and does, yeah, and has done very, very well for himself. And hey, he's he's made one of my best friends, you know, live very well with his oh, family yeah. and all that stuff. And and I, I, you know, no hate to our production people, you know, any any of my brothers and sisters out there that are doing any of that stuff. It's like you know, we're all just working to try to find the next thing that's going to give us a little peace too. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. I've had a I've had a long career with a lot of great artists and you know it sucks to leave one to go to another and and you've been there and we all we've all been there and uh but you know mm-hmm. it's uh it's um you know it's uh been great. We were talking about uh Oh yeah. Well, the full you mentioned thing. before before I forget yeah. um uh, it's it's very interesting because people people that go to Berkeley also have that thing where they don't want to tell people because it has it kind of brings up this this uh i don't know if it if they think that people are uh, elitists or, or you know i think there's a lot of um flack yeah, that puts you in the snooty place puts you in a yeah. snooty place but it's kind of weird when p- anyone is going to judge any kind of education like you went there you had a probably you know a great teacher you learned you got the information and you learned it and that's that's yeah, kind of that's kind of the end of it you know i went to berkeley and i had some shitty professors oh, did. that didn't you did yeah. what a loser i'm just kidding <laughs> but the <laughs> full sale kid on a but, berkeley kid a loser oh my god but dude oh, god. I, I mean I yeah no you know exactly what i'm talking about though it's like it's just this for me it was like i tell everybody cool full sale sucks whatever it doesn't suck but also yeah it literally was a kick in the ass for me to just get yeah. going as a kid. It was like, you got a lot out to, of it. You yeah. Got a dude. lot out oh, of it. You put the I work never, in. Oh, my life would have never, never, ever been the same. So we finished, it was only a year degree too. Like it was, it, it, it was, uh, an associate's degree at standard two year, uh, that was, uh, all packed into a year. So it was a really hard year. And a lot all of packed people into a year? a year. Yeah. 12 oh, months. Shit. Uh, so a lot, so you dude, it's six, it's classes, six hours a day. You're in, you're in eight hours of one class and then a four hour, uh, uh, where you'd, you'd have a console in front of you and you can like go and practice the shit that you just learned for eight hours. Wow. Um, and, uh, but the thing was that I always summed it down to, cause you know, people are just dumb. It's like after <laughs> within, after six months, you, you get no money back if you, if you drop out. Okay. it's only a year so then dialing it back if you go only five months you get 80 percent back if you go if you stop four months in you get 60 percent. you know what i'm saying yeah if yeah, you yeah. drop out the first month you get 80 percent of your money back and it just gets worse until six months you get none so a lot of people drop out six months in because it gets fucking hard dude at six yeah. months that's how they get you you know what i mean yeah because i it gets I'll take, hard dude do they do they like withhold curriculum up until the six months to, to be no. able to catch to get people into that six months okay so when i went 
now that's what i would, that's now, what I would do if i was full sale <laughs> well now it's an accredited university so it's legit when i was there it was called full sale real world education so okay. it was it, and it had been called that for like 20 years uh but it, it was a uh it was like a trade school. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're really tra- think of, okay, maybe even if I had credits, a lot of like big schools won't take it. You know, at this okay, point yeah, they yeah. do, they'll do, you can do trades with NYU and like they get, they do, you know, it, they're, they're legit now. And they've, and I mean, dude, their film department. I mean, they have film, they have game design, computer animation, recording arts. They have live show production and touring, which I can't believe I've never, mm. uh, never i never went into in the first place because uh, i ended up here so quickly after <laughs> yeah but well, uh but you, you got um, all you got all the experience you need in that area i know but i think the i think my my uh learning what i learned for studio work learning about things like gain structure and eqing and compression and and all these things and how it all relates to each other is like that was what i truly needed to end up going into these places where you know, my first tour, my first couple of years was one of which was with Steven. I mean, some of the venues we went in, you know, were beautiful places for people to go and attend. And it was beautiful for the bands to have their stage and their backstage. But the gear in the venues just shit. Oh, you know, garbage. it's just garbage. And we're de- and my my day is a complete fucking headache because of shit that is just un on you know no one uh no one takes care of it you know when was when was that tour oh that was man that was uh i mean i started working with steven at the end of 2008 but probably the oh. year prior october of 07 was my first tour and then i like since corona have so so this been is going this so. is with the six this is with the sixers sixers it was the five-year tour so it was me okay. steven kit and boots and jessica in a van for like two and a half months wow um and uh you know we we're just rolling in i mean it was jessica rolling in getting the all backstage handled band loads of gear i'm out front just trying to like piece together you know what uh whatever i can yeah. uh and uh but but i would say like the all that training at full sale of of trying to you know trying to learn how game structure works and how to deal with things and how things should sound and what like it really helped me just make the best of it do you feel like that stuff uh helped you in uh like the stuff that you learned at full sale helped you in the real world environment of doing that stuff or did you feel like you had there was a some adjustments you had to make when you got into real venues and real you know into the nitty nitty gritty well i i started like when i got home i immediately started assisting uh and interning at this local studio where i i met this guy Jim, who's who's still one of my best friends, and he was the lead engineer there. So I started assisting him, and uh, you know, I was, dude, I was 21 years old. I was like, what do I got to do? I just started hanging out there every day, whether he was just patching a mic or you know a full band or a, or a mini orchestra or whatever. Like we, I would just be there with him. Um, analog board. Uh, it was uh, it was like old school, you know, legit and. Uh, lots of outboard gear to really mess with. And so it was like a year of, uh, or, you know, eight, eight or nine months maybe of me working with him in the studio. And then after that, like nine month mark, I, I started going down with him. He mixed at a club in town. Uh, the big easy. I don't know if you ever remember that club. It was like I've heard of it. 50 cap. I've heard of yeah, it. Yeah. It's not around anymore. It closed a few, just a few years ago. Um, 
but uh he was just you know it was like a there was a monitor board on stage normally like you set the band during sound check and then you go out front and you mix like one guy right bartenders the the great classic deal and uh and so i just go in there with him and start i just stand at the monitor board help patch the stage do that and within within a few months i had i had my own night a week mixing there um and then like just on my own uh maybe it was even shorter than that honestly i don't know i don't keep a diary (laughs) but uh (laughs) but like it happened really quick and then uh very soon after i mean it was by that point it was like a year since i'd come out of full sale and uh i got a call from this dude john zox who has this this band zox from providence yeah um they uh they called me up and they were like our sound guy can't make the next tour uh do you want to go and then it was uh uh do you know pete kilpatrick Local oh that name sounds so familiar guy from I, up here yeah yeah he's I've never a good, met a time friend of mine yeah so his uh so he uh, coincidentally was asked to be the uh the opener on that run and he was like why don't you just come with me and and uh it all kind of like just worked itself out i ended up traveling with zox and was with them for a I good no year idea. yeah I was with them through their final album. They, it was their album release. I remember like rehearsals were them getting the show together. They had just got out of the studio. Um, and, uh, and we jumped in a van, a little conversion van with a piece of shit trailer. And, and, uh, and you know, we, we were all over Europe. We were all over the States. We were whatever. And, uh, we actually, the last big tour that we did was with this band, uh, streetlight manifesto. They're kind yeah. of a ska punk sort of band too, but I know streetlight uh, manifesto. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Thomas Thomas uh, Kalnicki is the is the front man there. He's a great guy. Um, and uh, we <clears throat> just a quick little story uh, that's pretty awesome was so uh, you know I played sax and so mm-hmm. that, you know, like I had been playing up until you know just eighteen months or maybe two years at most of like I'm in the studio every day and then I'm on the road all of a sudden. Holy shit, my life! And so it got like to that point of like summer of 2008 where i was just like you know going out on the road and i'm just walking out of my apartment i look at my sacks there and i'm like god damn i haven't played in so long and uh and i was like i'm gonna bring this motherfucker on the road i'm just <laughs> gonna do it pack it in the trailer with the rest of the guy's shit and at night like we'd pull into the hotel you know one room for five people and and i just go sitting in the van and i just started playing it's like you know just i i would just like just play for a couple for an hour maybe you know just to so my chops wouldn't be so so dog shit by the end of it and uh this was the streetlight tour and um we're direct support uh this guy dan pothast was the opener um dan used to be in a in a band called mu330 which is like one of my favorite bands growing up another ska punk band uh zox was not ska punk which is so funny that they had like spencer who played violin electric violin like they had that kind of pop punky kind of like yeah, thing to them vibe, yeah. uh anyways so i'm playing on the thing and then you know streetlight has a has you know a trumpet trombone uh barry sax and and a guy uh jim who played alto and tenor and so the horns were already on that tour they thomas was in a band called catch 22 back in the day like i knew all these horn lines and i knew all these all these parts and stuff but i was just chilling and i'm always like the guy i'm never like going up like oh you guys so i'm just watching them like halfway into the tour and this was like a nine week tour which you Mm -hmm. know like there's lots of dates there's lots of time to get friendly with people it usually happens like by week three and uh and so we're all chilling and they get the vibe that whatever this happens it gets to like week four and 
we're like in the we're in the northwest and we had to make this just motherfucker of a drive down to texas and uh and then we had to go and then uh the we did the drive and then the band zox the zox band had to fly to like michigan or something to do a one-off uh, and you know how that goes to scramble. It's like this thing. And I, and they had gotta to go get to the airport. Gotta do this. Gotta do that. This whole yeah. thing. So I, so I had to drive the van from, it was like Houston to, uh, like Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I drove it by myself. Um, which I've You're done. I like, yeah. And I mean, I like, I did that for Steven a couple times. I had to deadhead from like Seattle to Minneapolis, you know, yeah. in a couple days when those guys would fly out. So we do the drive. And in the meantime, so we're, we're missing like two shows on the streetlight, the streetlight tour for them to go do that. Streetlight goes, has local openers for a couple shows. We're supposed to meet back up in Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. So in that time, they, they played a show, but I don't know between Texas and Florida where stage was super low and we were playing a lot of places like Metro in Chicago. It's like, you know, eight foot stage. And then it's, and then you're bit like, we were playing a lot of like heavy, intense mosh pits and crowd surfing and shit. Oh, like yeah. their, their streetlights show is fucking intense. It's dude. serious. Yeah. It's, it's intense. It's fun and it's all in good safe and it's fun, but like it's, it's intense dude. So they, uh, so they are playing the show stage is super low and, uh, some kid crowd surfs up and uh, and hits Jim, the sax player, who also is the background vocalist, like the main background guy, um, who's like, he stands with the horn section, but Jim stands front and center of the stage because Thomas stands off stage right. Okay. Um, and so some kid crowd surfs up, hits his vocal microphone in t- while he's playing into the neck of his sax oh. that goes into his mouth oh. and it shatters like three of his molars it just fucking <laughs> obliterates dude his mouthpiece and then like the mouthpiece went like halfway down his throat like if it was like <laughs> getting punched with a steel rod straight into your mouth in the back of your throat uh oh, he like terrible. falls falls down it's a whole mat they had to like I, I can't remember exactly what happened. It was a big deal, and like Jim ran off. So the next, so we meet up, and we're seeing him. And we walk in the next day. We had no idea what happened until we showed up, and he's sitting backstage by their their RV, just in a lawn chair, sunglasses on. I don't who knows how much drugs were in him at the time, pharmaceutical, uh, <laughs> and uh, feeling, and feeling his, all kinds of good. Dude, he has a baseball uh, hanging off the side of his mouth. Fuck his man. mouth was like seriously. It was like dark red and just this bulbous mass of of ugh. and so so Wonderful. we they they press on for like two more weeks and we finally make it our way up to the east coast jim jim is like out for two weeks can't he can't even be on stage he's just in the rv doesn't want to go home because he's badass yeah and uh and so we get up to the middle east in boston mm-hmm. uh downstairs the big great room. venue yep love that venue and we're in the green room and I am about to p- go put out waters and towels for the Zox boys. I'm like, you know, it's, ch- it's chain Dan pod the local or the, the, the solo uh, opener had just gotten off. I'm getting towels and waters. I go into the green room and it's all of streetlight in a circle uh, in the green room. And they're like, Hey Adam. And I was like, yeah, what's up? And they were like, do you got a second? And I was like, uh, yeah, what's up? And they were like, you got your sacks here. Right. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And they were like, do you want to, mix Zox 
for the rest of the tour, do you want to basically mix them, go help them load their shit out? You guys figure out the time frame. We know it's not going to be like downbeat of song one, but do you want to come up and just, can you learn this shit? Can you, do you want to, do you want to fill in for Jim for the rest of the tour? And I was wow. like, yes, but uh-huh. let me ask these guys. Cause I'm not I, like, they're my boss and I, and I'm like, thank you. I'm sure they'll say yes. I mean, as long as I help with loadout and you know, all the shit that's just like, yeah. yo, dude, you can't just not, you know, yeah uh watch i'm like all cocky up there like sorry guys gonna play with the headliner but (laughs) i I did just that i i i took maybe the next two days and i learned they had stems from the new album which which was awesome i mean i learned a lot of it on my own anyways but uh you know i just did that like sat in the van that night for for two nights in a row learned like 10 to 12 songs worth of i mean they do like four part horn harmonies that are crazy dude really so uh and we did it, man. And I like I'll, I'll dig up the footage at some point. Is like there's we did some kick ass shows, and I I finished out the tour. I'd go and load out Zox, had my horn ready, you know, and I would just like sprint back to the stage and just run on and just like stand downstage center for all these shows in a row. And uh, and it was like this amazing experience. It was, and the shows were amazing, and we had such a good time. And uh, and it was like a once in a lifetime kind of like I can't believe this is happening kind of connecting both worlds for me and uh and those friendships that i just gained throughout that 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 was really it i think that helped me as well like bonding the like the typical crew guy band member Mm -hmm. bullshit that usually happens because with all due respect i mean like we're like guys in my position are weird people like it, it's it's yeah, rare to I would find say that's pretty accurate <laughs> for sure dude i don't even <laughs> you don't even need to say it. like of course musicians all have their weird tendencies but like musicians are musicians like you just you don't come in thinking it's going to be congress you yeah. know like you, everybody's got their thing but that's what makes musicians so unbelievably special and and important and all you know but you got a lot of guys in my field who are who are failed musicians didn't have anything, couldn't cut it as musician, you know, and fuck, I'm one of them. Okay. Like whatever, but no, you're not, but I'm not, but you know, but it's, but it is, but it, it is that it's this, a lot of guys can't get past like seeing other musicians succeed and get credit and get all that. They get, start to get jaded and you know, it's, it's a well, thing because that happens. Your job, and, your job is to, to, you know, maybe you get stuck in like the kind of, crappy local venue and you're there yeah, every single just night eating and a dick all day i guess i mean right. so it's like i don't know you know there's there's a million stories and i've had a million experiences when i've when i've gone into a venue and the house sound guy is like not cool God. at all like Ugh. like re, like you go in with a sorry ethan is crying in the background <laughs> oh, i can't i can barely hear it oh, that's good um so i'm like you know, you go in with a, with a good attitude. And then this guy that just does not want to be there. Anything you ask him, he takes as like a personal dig on his, on him and his life. It's the worst dude. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. I played a gig at the, um, at, uh, right before all the COVID stuff happened in, in January at, um, at the strand ballroom. Lupo's. Uh, Yeah. And dude, uh, yeah, dude, that was hometown for those zox guys i know well the thing is well with with zox like everybody a bunch of headlines there dude it was brutal zox is is a big deal for you know for me growing up in rhode island and and knowing that band 
like made something of themselves. The same thing yeah. with uh, Monty R.I., uh, who yeah. I had. I had Stevie on the show who plays with 30 yeah. Seconds to Mars now. You guys are great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're great. And um, that was like what we looked up to, what we wanted to yeah. do. And a lot of us, you know, are still doing it. And, um, but and you, you aspired to play at Lupos, right? Absolutely. Kind of one of those things. Yeah, absolutely. That was my first time in January. That was actually uh, not my first first time playing it actually behind the drums with another with a band. Um, yeah. But I, I played it years ago when when Montiori did their like final big show there. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I remember hearing about that. What year was that? That was it was like 10 years ago. So uh yeah. 2000 2010 we we set up a drum line in front of the band for two of their songs and we did like this huge drum Dope. line thing which is fun yeah those guys were all uh, a bit older than than me but we all went to the same high school we we're all very yeah. close um but you started this with talking about the crew <laughs> oh dude that crew Whoa. man when you go in you have to like you have to learn as a musician when you go in and and deal with a a crew with the crabbiness on that level like that is next level i don't give a fuck (laughs) attitude right there and like the previous night's drug and alcohol binge on their breath yeah it is i mean and honestly i gotta say as as tough as it was they lost a monitor guy there uh i won't say who he was uh probably about five six years ago and i haven't been there in probably that long maybe even longer actually but they lost the guy that was like the one beacon then i'd walk in okay. and be like dude and i'd walk right up to him and just huddle you, next you to him la- almost you latch the day. on to that guy and, and he'd talk to his oh, i mean i don't want to i don't want to like openly talk shit about people that i have to work with but that i'll just leave it at that like that it just yeah. they are people like that are a complete and i'm not talking about the lupos guy specifically because i don't know who works there or anything but like just people like that that give that vibe dude that are not the hey man how's it going like you're in a new place today welcome to our home like if there's anything i can do for you i i work for you today how about that yeah you know what i mean i don't care if you're just the drummer or you're the bass player or you're the fucking lead singer like dude i'm here for you today because if you i know that word could get back that whatever happened and i that's always been my mantra and anyone that i that i can choose to work with like is that same thing because doesn't it feel great dude when you go into a venue and the house crew is awesome it's amazing And i could list off dozens of places like that but just places where you're literally leaving at night and you're like not only did i load in with these people and spend all day with them and load out we've been like sitting here like drinking and having fun for a couple hours too like they're those guys like can you just come on the bus with us (laughs) yeah you make you make your good time you make your own good time next time the pageant in st louis you ever done the pageant uh it's like a house of blues type place right on main street um is it across the street is it across the street from from uh chuck berry's place no no i think think it's fairly close but uh i think i have i can't remember with a road yeah anyways this guy kb ken brown he's he's been the production manager there uh you know i hope he's doing all right right now because that place probably is completely shut down but um one of those guys man you just walk right in you're like dude you see each other and you're like this is going to be such a good day and everybody you like can't wait to get off the bus telling like any newbies you're like wait till we walk in this place dude like yeah it just feels great because it's your it is your home and you and you deserve to be there you're gonna make people money that night hopefully and vice versa and it's just like 
I don't know. And you're with, when you're with a good show too, that's when it feels the best. You're like, you know, you're just like, you know, you're bringing something good in. You come in and you know that the, the house is going to enjoy it. And yeah. Yeah. And the I crew's mean, who's going to look at your rig and be like, this is fucking cool, dude. Yeah. And you're just you, like, and you get to man. geek out. You get to geek out. Yeah, with them exactly. and talk about it. They ask questions. It's like, oh. yeah, just ma- it makes the day just so much more fun. So much more fun yeah. when people want to be helpful. And we experience, um, you know, we're loading all of our own stuff in. We don't have a ton of crew. So when right. when there are crew people there that aren't just standing with their hands in their pockets, just watching us do it, and they Ugh. come in, they're helpful, and they want to know, they want to know what to do. And it, it doesn't it just make the time go by faster, too? Yeah, <laughs> like, it it's not that yeah. much stuff. But I don't know. It's It seems like um, it's hard. It's hard when you get into those rooms. Because when I was in my old band, we would deal with... Um, you know, it would be worse because we're in clubs like, you know, Great Scott in Boston and, and, you know, uh, um, uh, was the middle, the middle East, we play there all the time. And and it's just like, like you said, it's just so much nicer when you have, when you walk into a a building and there's a smiling face saying like, how can I help you? It's so nice to see you guys. Like, Oh, space, space in Evanston. Yeah. I, I remember very specifically, um, like every single time I go there, they're sweethearts. They're amazing. Yeah. They're so nice. They're so helpful. Um, I was sick one year, and one of the the bartenders went and got me soup at at the place down the street, and, and yeah. did, absolutely did not have to do that. So it's just stuff like that you remember forever. That's great ownership, taking care of their staff, and and like there empowering it is. empowering people to do the right thing, make good calls, don't get micromanaged. And that's it. You, I dude, I hear so much behind the scenes banter out at front of house every day. You know, you're, you're in front of the bar, the the owner and the production manager and the, and the promoter rep are all sitting there with their laptop at the bar. Most, you know how it goes. Yeah. You hear all the like, Oh yeah, this show next night, I'm going to, you know, tomorrow you were redoing, uh, I don't know, X band. That's a old legacy act. That's coming in with, their rider is insane they're getting paid way too much they've sold no fucking tickets like yeah. you hear the same story over and over again and and uh you start to empathize with a lot of these people um who are then t- telling this sob story but then turning around when you're like hey man you got a second they're like yeah man what's up how, what can i do for you yeah. it's like oh sweet you know how to switch gears like a like right. a fucking sane person right and not right. make me feel like a peon and that that just goes such long ways dude i could scroll through my phone right now and find like relationships that are 15 years old from venues of people that are like i i love i love these people because that one time is like may might be the day for guys like you and me on the road that like dude this is the one day that i really needed it to just be cool you know what i mean i don't want to be dealing with grumpy gary and fucking monitor guy who's on his phone the whole gig and shit squealing and feeding back and you can't hear any vocals because he hasn't turned it up you know and you're just like you know you're you're where do you what can you do you're powerless you're powerless right Right. yeah Um, and it's easy it's easy to uh because there's so much of that time when you're dealing with like bullshit or you're dealing with with relationships or maybe maybe you're missing home a lot um yeah and uh it's just it's just difficult it's just difficult and when you walk in and then somebody that you don't know who isn't a part of the crew throws a wrench in the works it it can kind of send you over the top hold on i'm going to turn off this lullaby hey google turn off the music 
Jeez, I'm trying okay. to do a fucking Jay. podcast huh. here. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Google. Uh, Google. Um, nice that you can just do that, though, and you didn't have to get up. I know. Pain. That's, and then your headphones, like, pull your interface off the desk, and you're just a mess. <laughs> that's, no my, shit. that's just my whole goal in life, is just, if I can just make everything happen and just sit right here. For that'd real. Be, that'd be great. Um, Absolutely. And my watch yeah, I mean, tells it, me I, to breathe. Perfect. Oh, uh, yep. Multiple times a day for me as well. Yeah. Um, I never do it. I, I should turn it off, and I never do it. Do you do it? Yeah. Do you do the breathe, the breathe app? Uh, sometimes really or yeah. i mean often i'll just see it and i'll be like oh yeah breathe breathe right <gasps> just, <gasps> okay <sighs> yeah but uh yeah man I, honestly for me at growing like growing up with a with two great parents and a father who like was strict about not being some fake superficial asshole uh yeah. were like, they into music I, uh my my dad like both my parents were like who introduced me to like the beach boys and and the beatles and things like that uh my dad loved the eagles and like neil diamond and like bands like that like neil diamond christmas album was one of my favorite albums growing up because uh you know just musicianship musicianship uh like to a t um yeah. but uh like just things like that so obs- ob- obscure sort of stuff but nothing like modern or anything at the time but you know i a lot of it it was what i gathered myself but i feel like having that upbringing and then doing the touring with steven early on because uh, steven and i are like we're 11 12 years apart you know right. so um when i was 22 years old you know and he was 33 or something whatever it was like he was in such a different point in his life than I was, you know, he had already had two kids and he was, you know, he was already many years deep into his business. And I was like fresh to the, to the group and, and, yeah. uh, was really just doing sound for Zox. Like I wasn't doing any real production manager E sort of stuff. And so Steven was the one that really started being like, you need to roll into this shit and you need to like, you need to be a boss. And you yeah. need to be like, cause I would have a lot of like, you know, Steven and I have always been tight on a personal, like emotional level, you know, like we've cried with each other. We've done, he, he married my wife and I, I mean, he was our, oh, he was nice. our officiant at our wedding. So like, I've always had that deep emotional bond with Steven and we're both volatile people. Like he's, I've seen him in shitty places. He's seen me in shitty places. Um, but he was the first guy that really, um, that really pushed me to just be like, walk in here and just be a boss, dude. Like, just go in and, and just like have a great attitude, but like, make sure that you get what you need. Yeah. Like, do, do the things that you, know, you need to whatever it to is, make it work to make, have a successful day and not get in, not be like bummed out or what. Cause I've always been hard on myself, dude. Like I, I not patting myself on the, anybody who knows me knows this fact that like I could have, I could just go crush the Hollywood bowl to a 20,000 people and have an amazing show on everyone's account, but I will walk into that bus at the end of the night and be like, you fucking idiot. Like, you missed that snare verb on that on the second verse of song three, or hmm. you had a maybe a little squeal of feedback because of a, you know, because Demi isn't holding her goddamn mic up to her mouth, you know, or right. one of these, and it was nothing to anybody, but for me, I will dig and claw and, and beat myself up, um, 
not I you know I'm not proud of it but it's but it's also that thing well, you're it's seeking, like the Irish guilt yeah you you're know? seeking that perfect that that perfect show and it sucks it, mistakes happen and it sucks yeah. when they happen and like I'm For so sure. I am so guilty of that coming off stage and saying like fuck man nitpicking just that transition yeah. or or just or just being really hard on myself but that I think that's the only way that you push yourself to get better yeah um, and that's I why I be hard on yourself. And that's why I get along with people like you so much, you know, not stroking you at all. I just like literally like the, the guys who are not getting off stage and be like, man, the gig is the gig. Like I've had musicians who I've toured with for a long time come up and be like, I don't want to talk about the show when it's over. And it's like, Mm. okay, well, that's going to be a problem for me because I have fucking notes and we're going to all listen to the notes. Yeah. If you're not the, if the band is like, if it's Steven Cal, just using Steven, this never happened with Steven, but like, you know, if this happened with boots who like the last tour I do with it and he was like, I don't give a shit about like, I want to do That just is not, Oh, this is not an option. I mean, I it's can not t- productive and it's not an option. Yeah. I can tell you yeah. as being one of, one of, uh, Steven's drummers over the past bunch of years, it's like, that is not an option. Like, yeah, it's always about taking the things that we did and sometimes it, it kind of blows my mind how you can play a show and then, or how Steven can play a show, do it so well and then come off stage and like pinpoint something so specific. I'm like, how, how do you, how do, was like, how were wow. you, were you thinking about what you were doing and then also thinking about like what you were going to say about that yeah. one part? And it's, yeah. it's remarkable and it's such a skill. Um, and what I like to do is I like to take uh, game tape. I like to record, yep. record the performances, some board mixes. And I am, stuff, yeah. I am always asking Doug, our front of house to, to send me the shows. And so I can listen, but there are yep. other guys in the band that don't, that don't do that. And totally. that's, that is fine too, but and that's it's just fine. not, it's not how I, I can survive. Like I need yep. to be actively trying to make it better every time. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, and I, again, I, I'm not, I'm not hating on the guys that don't want to do that. If you don't want to listen to a tape, that's one thing. Taking a little bit of criticism of like, Hey man, your amp was really bright tonight. Yeah. Like just, let's just chat about it. Cause you know me, you trust me, you know that you always hear that the mix is solid. So like, just know that like, and I'm not, you didn't, I didn't say you played like shit tonight. I'm just like, something's, I feel like something's going on with your amp Yeah. and I'd like to address it the next day because if you want here, listen to this, you know, and like you can, There's, yeah. uh, but There's so but many players uh, that will take that will take that conversation the wrong way, and, yeah, and yeah. we'll say like, well, you know, whatever. It is, is how I like it. I don't know, man. You, you know, the microphone seemed like it was uh, a little off tonight. I, you know, okay, yeah, dude. All right, it's all like right. this. It's like that. That attitude, and I can I can get into a place where like I don't want to hear it because totally. I I have already gone over it in my head, and I don't want to hear it from anywhere else. And I yeah. can and I can be a little bit uh, feisty about it. Um, there's until, always a time and a place. Exactly. Always. Exactly. Yeah. Per- yeah. For sure. Perfect. Perfectly put. Perfectly put. Um, yeah. But it's just when when somebody just never wants. It's just like I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Yeah. And this is what I. This is who I am. This is what I do. And that's and that's kind of how. That's where it ends. I've toured with a lot of a, a few acts where there's a majority of the people that are like, get this sh- at the as soon as Lighthouse Slicer up. It's like. 
you know, those crew guys that are like, get this shit out the fucking door. It's yeah. all about the loadout. And I just can't, I can't get down with that, dude. If I'm going to be out and away from my family and like putting everything that is me into this, like my personality, my, you know, my, uh, my ego, as far as my my confidence level, when I walk into places, I'm not like, oh, excuse me, can I have? I'm like, hey man, what's up? I've done this for a long time. Yeah. I'm sure you have too. Let's have a great day together. You know, like that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, you just you have to you have to be able to know how to treat people and, and talk and communicate and uh, right. And it's a hard line to to learn how to how to navigate that. Um, and if you're thinking the right about the loadout before, and sorry, I, I, I keep it. No, no, you. Um, no, it's all good. And like, if you're thinking about the loadout or you're giving direction about the loadout before, and it's 10 30 AM before you've loaded in before, <laughs> yeah. before you've even thought about the show, you're yeah. already not giving, I hate the, you. Yeah. You're already not giving the audience their money's worth. It's not even about yeah. the crew at that point. It's about saying like, I just can't wait to get in, get Then you're not doing, you're not doing what you should be doing. It's like, and a lot of people that know else. that a lot of people that know me again with this talk of like the discussion after the fact and the critiquing or nitpicking or whatever you want to call it. And I, dude, I have plenty of shows. Trust me that I walk away and I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, Oh yeah. That I don't think I could have done it. Or that was a total dog shit venue. And I'll walk away at the end of the night being like fucking crushed it. Like had the house guy being like, uh, you want to save your scene for me? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no, goodbye. Yeah. Uh, but like I've had those too, but, my nitpicking only comes from like always wanting the show to be better in any single way possible. Like to, to walk away from an eight week tour where you're putting a, you know, with what I'm doing with like this pop scene, like you come out with these props and pieces and big production and, and this tight knit stuff, this world that I've been in the last five years, like is like when you put that all away at the end, like again like it comes back to every little thing you just like be proud of what you're doing you mm-hmm. know like yep. try to try to just like almost go a little too far with like what your limitations are and and uh and try to amp people up and I, that's what i've always done like i've I've always been a guy who gets real close with the artist um whether it's christina perry or sia or saint vincent or any of these people like uh Demi wasn't the most accessible person, but in whatever conversations I had with her, it was always like good stuff, pal. Uh, but like, um, yeah. but I always like getting really close with, with these people because I want them to know that like, that I'm here for a reason, you know? And I, and I, these days I know how to speak up and I know how to add my creative pieces and, um, and certain artists will let you just like, Oh dude, come on, come here. Like jump, I can tell you're eager, jump into the circle. Let's hear what you got to say. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, those are, you don't get there unless you're that it like all kind of stems back to like the attitude of, of who you are, um, being that good house guy that someone recognizes and band comes up to you at the end of the night being like, yeah, dude, you got a, you got a day job or anything? No. Do you want to come with us? Like I have friends who have been picked up at a venue gone home. I've, I hired a girl actually last year. I hired a girl in Nashville to be my, my production assistant and, uh, and merch person, like, like let go of this guy at the end of the show. She was my runner all day. And I was like, can you pack a bag tonight and spend the next, like the last like four weeks of this tour with us? And she was like, when's bus call. And I hired her on the spot. Was this, was this, was this girl with Vanessa? Sia? 
No, this was uh, with this dude, Jai Wolf, who I was doing late last year. Uh, oh, okay. DJ kind of act. Um, and uh, But we were doing kind of a big production, um, one truck sort of uh, US run. One, and, one, uh, a truck for, so you're going to have DJ. to, you're going to have to explain <laughs> to me. So now what exactly? <laughs> that's a 53 foot semi full of gear, so full take me, of gear. That's incredible. What, take me through doing Too the much. sound for <laughs> doing the sound for, for a DJ. Um, yeah. Now I'm not like I'm, I am completely ignorant to what to what that entails so now like yeah. is it is it um so we'll say for instance i go from uh, we go from a, a sia or saint vincent or christina perry all like 60 to 70 inputs you know on stage uh mm-hmm. to uh to basically yeah like eight eight channels that are f- four stereo pairs okay uh and a, and a and an rf vocal that's the hey what's ups uh where you, you know where he'll talk to the crowd uh is he controlling out, like like high pass filter so kind everything of stuff everything exists in ableton which is normal for a lot of bands these days whether okay. you're just running a click track or you have an entire bed of music and production behind you um it's all about how you split out the stems. So with, with Sajib, who's the artist, um, with Jai Wolf, uh, he, he did all this stuff in his, like Owl City did, like in his basement, recorded all on a laptop. And, Mm -hmm. uh, so we had him basically split out all the songs to a stereo drums, stereo bass, stereo synths, and, uh, and then stereo background vocals. And, um, so it was four stereo faders basically at front of house. We, we mixed everything. And this is how I do it with any playback that I have with St. Vincent. We had a whole show that was just fully playback and her on in guitar. Interesting. Uh, and it was mm. 32 channels of playback. And what I do is I have it. So everything is mixed in the box ahead of time. And that takes a lot of work. Like oh, a I'm lot sure. of people don't understand is you hear a quote unquote track act and yeah, there's some that sound like shit because people don't do it right. But the good acts that can do it and they have the, and I'm not talking about the band is miming or anything, but I'm talking about like, if you're going to add tracks into a full band setup, you want to, you want it to feel like it is another musician on stage. Yeah. Now, some people take a lot of offense to that and God knows I've worked with plenty of them, whether it's just a band member or the singer or what I fucking have no goddamn thing, you know, in my, t- and it's like, cool, dude, don't then don't, but like, Oh, uh, have no tracks uh, in their ears or, or some, or is that what you're saying? I will, I will say this. I worked for <laughs> Lou Graham. I okay. worked for Lou Graham, you know, foreigner singer, original yeah. foreigner singer. And, uh, and th- I mean, this isn't a bad story about him, but like his band, decided to do a lot of the stuff without any playback and that's great and a lot of they're all great musicians and and that that sort of stuff uh meanwhile foreigner the band is out with a new lead singer and like a couple of the guy jerry jones i think was that the guy the guitar player he was like the the writer it's probably not his name at all people are screaming uh, <laughs> I don't know. whatever his name try. is the guitarist the lead guitarist for foreigner and lou graham were the ones that like wrote all the shit the guy okay. wrote the music lou wrote the lyrics sang it it was super great vocal but foreigner had this huge sound you'd go and you'd listen to their thing because they had playback i mean they just had it yeah and you can like poo poo it as a musician and all that stuff and that's fine like if you don't like it all good dude but like in the pop world 
and in that like radio rock pop world like foreigner was in uh they had a lot of these twinklies and little things that filled filled out and i, I had learned from back at with owl city that was my first real like track based thing because it was a kid who did this whole record in his basement uh on reason basically tracked it all and uh and when we took i it love to the those records show, too i love them oh my god yeah i mean and i was there from when like fireflies was before it was even out and before it took us where it, like it all happened for me uh, i saw them i saw them up. at the paradise and you probably were doing sound yeah i mean well yeah it depends i i left it was a while I left it was a after long time the, ago i left after the second record cycle and that's Ocean Eyes, the one with Fire, the the big massive album. I yeah. consider that's the first out. He had he had some EPs before that, but yeah, uh, we toured on the second and at the end of uh, 2011, that end of that second album cycle, we I I moved to Christina Perry. Um, she was mm. like begging me to be there, and I was begging to be there. So uh, and like never looked back for now eight years. I've you know on well, nine years I've I've known her basically working with her um off and on obviously you know as tours stop i'll go and did two years with sia and you know it just happened to be christina's off the road and i'm still with sia but like just my schedules just you know how it goes like i'm yeah we're out we're in the studio the next eight months and okay well i have to find shit to do for eight months and yeah you gotta um, weave in and out so there's all that but yeah but with the owl city thing is like that just you know to answer your question about the tracks it's like that was the first band that I had to deal with. Like we had drums, we had a guy playing everything from vibes, vibraphones to guitar, to synths, to a girl singing, playing synths, to um, a girl who ended up currently being my wife, uh, playing cello uh, and a violinist. And this bed of all these things from these little twinklies to this and that. And And we had to like, and stems of music as well that we had to pick and choose what was going to work for the live show. And it's a lot of, you know, as you know, stop and okay, rewind, go back to the first verse. Okay. Let me hear the strings with the orchestra background. Okay. Do we have, is that broken out at all? Okay. No. Oh, you do. You have some cellos in there. All right. We'll bring those cellos down so we can have our real cellist. You know, like you're, that's what we did with St. Vincent. We've done with all these, like you have to go through and artistically, mix it so i'm not out there every show like literally like here's the verse and okay back to the you know here's the chorus and back to the verse and you know i'm mixing all this shit it's like no you take care of it all in the box so it's everything's high passed and eq'd and compressed and you get all the things so again the in the moment is like taking care of itself people don't care that i'm out there you know hitting delays and doing i mean maybe some people do but at the end of the day you want to look up at the stage and just trust that everybody in that little pit behind you is just like doing the, I want to be unnoticed. Yeah. And that is when I know that I am doing the best job. Um, yeah. I'm very fortunate to not have like people come up to me and like, Hey man, I can't hear the vocal. Like I don't get any of that stuff <laughs> too often. I can't, Thank even, God. I can't even imagine. Does that happen uh, in huge venues? I mean, I've, yeah. Oh yeah. I've, I've, yeah. Countless times I've seen, <laughs> I've been with friends mixing massive bands like their engineer invited me out. I'm out there and they're getting drilled by fucking drunk dad. Who's, you know, can't <laughs> hear the vocals or I had a guy in a sound check. Turn your hearing aid up. Me. Yeah. <laughs> it was with Christina Perry. There's three girls in the band. Uh, and this guy, this old man comes up during a sound check party. So obviously it, it already sucks for us. Cause the venue's empty. Sounds like shit when it's empty. It's not how it's supposed to be. And the guy just comes up to me. He goes, I can't hear the girl. 
And I'm like, the girl. I'm the <laughs> looking girl? at three girls. I'm like, dude, go I away. Just girl. deal with it. Just live with it. Shut up. Do you have to Ugh. do you face challenges when you're uh, so say you like you're mixing those tracks or whatever in the box and you're yeah. putting all those compressors high pass, whatever. Do you have to account for that from room to room, venue to venue when you're tuning the system and doing things like that? Or, or does that rel- relatively just kind of work itself out? You have your I have my songs that I'll so I'm not like going through and and listening to random stuff as I'm checking the the system or the house every day. Like I'll have the songs like for instance, you know, with Radiohead in rainbows, that song, all I need, I have listened. I have checked the PA, you know, we, all of us sound guys all have, everybody has songs. Everybody has like enter Sandman. Okay. Probably not the best song to use, but uh, I had some guy use some Genesis song one time in like amphitheater tour, like outside every day, just blasting this Genesis. I don't even know what the song was. I was just like, why you're tuning this guy's, set who did not resemble genesis to this big 80s reverb drum i'm just like i don't know what you're doing this is one of my but favorite use, things about front of house oh, engineers is what song oh, they use to what's tune your tune <laughs> i know so funny. it's even better when people are like can't you pick a new song like the point <laughs> is the point is that you're taking a song like all i need which is really it came out when my career started like that that record came out the year i started uh and so i've always had the like a kind spot in my heart for that record and that song. But I've listened to that on every single PA I've ever mixed on. So when I come to a venue where I'm like, well, this doesn't sound right. You know, <laughs> like that's a good place to start. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's important that you use those tools, like those songs. I have a couple other songs that I'll, I'll go to, but I can get a lot of my work done on just that one song. I mean, I just by the, by the end of the first chorus, I'm like, I'm done. I know exactly that it's like a little synth swell in the beginning and then it's kick snare hat for like eight bars. And in that time you can like hear like, you know, 1.5 K and the snare drum's going to be a little wonky and you can hear the kick drum. So it's like 200 needs to go. And then Tom's vocals come in after the guitar for eight, but so it, it peels like that onion. Um, and I use that. So by the time I'm now going back and listening to my, to the word, like, you know, first part of the sound check before we even hear, kick drum is let's hear the playback and we start listening to a song and, and some songs have thicker parts and others. So you'll tend to go with like a louder song to start and then you kind of dial it back from there. You know where your loudest point's going to be. Um, but the point is, is that all of those faders when they return to the console are all at unity. They're all right. here. You're not like looking at one fader here and here and then here and here. Like everything is dialed in that box on the other side of that you know, optical cord or ethernet or whatever, or, or analog, you know, snake, whatever it is, it it is, um, it's ready to go. And, uh, and yeah, there are some things that you'll have to like dial. Okay. You know, that high pass we have on that low bass sub. Well, I have like almost no subs today. So like, let's, let's open that up a little bit. Okay. But for the most part, no, you try to make it work for everything. And I, and you'd be surprised, dude. Like if you get it right, of course you go, you go, a bunch of shows in a row where you're like, ah, let's, and again, that comes back to my nitpicking, like the playback guy loves me or he hates me, but I'm like, right. sorry, dude, half a DB up tonight. Let's just put that, that snare drum in that song, like just half a DB, like half a DB. Like, yes, trust me, <laughs> just put it there. I need, I need to need hear it, to it just this way. A little, and, and though, and you just have to trust. And when that, like I've, I have people that, you know, that, uh, my production manager, Javier Alcaraz, who's one of my longtime friends in the business, he, 
is that guy who will, you know, he stands with me at front of house every show. I've been with him with Demi Lovato, Sia, St. Vincent. Like we've run shit together for a lot and he knows how nitpicky I am. And, uh, and he's been out there with me. He's just like, you know, it's like 0.3 decibels up on this one thing. He's like 0.3, dude, 0.3. There it is. It's like, yes. Mm. Yeah, man. I mean, well, that's why you're there. It's, it's your, it's your attention. It's the attention to detail. And if you hear something that isn't quite right and, and part of the, part of the skill that you have is the ability to know what to do to fix it. Like I, I am always trying to figure out better ways to explain what I'm hearing, but I, I don't have, I don't have the grasp on that language. Like sure. I need, I need less one K, you know, but like, that's what I'm here for. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, I, I wish I, I knew. Your, yeah. I wish I knew yeah. how to explain it better. And, but, but I, and, I don't mean know. like, let me answer that. I mean, like when I'm working with you, come talk to me like let's i know i know that you might not have the technical phrase like 1.2 is up four decibel like yeah but have a conversation with me let's dial it down to like okay is it more high end or low end late related oh it's definitely high end okay cool i know mm-hmm. not to mess with any like so now let's just dial let's let's just figure it out because nothing feels worse dude when again you're just even if the the crew the house crew is all really nice you might feel you and any of your other stage friends might feel like ah i don't want to ask a stupid question right now like shit well it's just like, a, it's just about come knowing off as a dummy yeah. yeah it's just about knowing yeah. being able to speak the language like i would love to be able to get rid of the term like it just sounds like it's in a paper bag fuzzy or it sounds like <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. it's in a i'm in a box you know i just yeah. i wish i could get rid of rid of that uh that but terminology some, but you'd be surprised again with that is like you know boxy dude that tells me everything or a kick drum uh, yeah. my kick drum sounds like a basketball boom i like i know exactly what you mean yeah so yeah it has and a lot ping. of times you don't ha- you don't have to be yeah it's got that bouncy bing like ping to it yeah uh, but yeah it's like and a lot of times that's not eq it's like oh let's go check the mic maybe the mic's not in the in oh, placement you know, yeah yeah and i and and i'm actually like you know i mean coincidentally with you and i but like drummers are always on tour like my best friends are the drummers we because i'm a huge fan of drums to begin with i don't play drums i mean i i play i can play how i play you know like whatever but Mm -hmm. i've i love drums drum sounds are the one thing that they're the first thing that engineers always fuck up they sound like you know shitty drums for me i will walk right out of a venue dude yeah i am not gonna have it i can't it's also it's also a personal it. it's also a personal thing. Sure. Because sure. because all right, so on the drummer side of it, like I know how I want the drum to feel and I know yeah. I know what I want and that has mo- mostly to do with the tuning or whatever, but um I also have an idea of what I want to hear out front and it's such a bummer to me that I can't I can't go out and be hear there. And yeah, hear be it. there and hear it while while it's being hit. I'll have like you know somebody in the band go up and hit the drums, but they don't hit the drum the way that I hit the drum. So it's like, it, have it, you experienced any virtual sound check or anything like that? A little mm. bit, yeah. Doug yeah, does it a, yeah. a, a little bit, and it's nice. It's it is nice to hear. It's and, not the same thing, but it is definitely no. the close second. I would say to right. like being able to bring the majority of the band out and be like, again, the venue's empty. I'm sorry, so you're just gonna have to trust that whatever. But like, here's the vibe. Yeah, and you know you can. Uh, but yeah, it's a perfect balance. I mean, a drum kit's really hard to get right. Um, yeah, because what it has to, a lot to do with with the the bleeding 
of of the mics and and getting different things oh, in, yeah. in it yeah. you know in the in the ven- the size venues that i play um that's that's definitely a big challenge the reflective crucial, dude reflectiveness yeah. of the room and my problem is that we use ears you guys are on ears i know yeah, yeah. so if if the overhead like overhead placement for me is is always something it's that hard. i'm yeah that i'm like uh, kind of fighting with doug about because he has a thing that he likes to do and i'm always like well i i just i'm not getting enough of this side but he's like out yeah. there it's it's perfect so can you put up two he does, I've done. he does i've done he, that what he does yeah. is he puts up two um on one like stand. a stereo bar sort yeah. of thing yeah. yeah yeah so and it lives on like my right side like over my my ride symbol i keep two rides on the right so yeah. um it kind of lives Dude, over worked, there yeah i've worked with drummers before that want a 57 straight in through the drum kit almost facing their belly yeah like right here if you're sitting there Mm -hmm. and only that compressed to shit the whole they get the whole kit it really sounds like garbage but only that no direct mics whatsoever and that's their vibe i mean they have a blend of everything else but uh, and everyone wants to hear something different like i like yeah i like to hear a, a good mix of all the music like yes i i want to hear i want to hear what the vocals doing that that's kind of takes priority you might need your vocal a little louder than the rest but other than a little bit it it depends on how i feel uh depends on the the room um it always amazes me how much things change even if even when things are close mic'd and you're in a from room to room but like oh absolutely um I, the thing that I vary on, uh, I'll, I'll usually keep the close mics relatively, relatively un, unchanged on the on the drum kit, yeah. but I will kind of mess with the overheads to kind of bring more air into it, or or uh, or take them down to make everything to kind of tighten everything up a bit. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I I really like to hear like I'm in a record. You know what yeah. I mean? Totally. Um. And I know that there are other players that will he- listen to. And actually, no. And it, when I was playing with Steven, I almost went the complete opposite direction because what I needed to hear, the only thing I really needed to latch onto when this I was his pl- vocal, no <laughs> <And> guitar. <laughs> it was the guitar. No. It's a guitar. Yeah, guitar. Yeah. His vocal yeah. would always be like a little laid back. So if you're listening to the yeah. vote, and he likes, he's he, always just chiming in with you guys. So I figure like yeah. you gotta almost hear like what'd you say you know yeah so you can but yeah you need i'm to sure hear the guitar it. yeah and with me with you know all the harmonies i needed to hear him yeah. a lot but like yeah um it's to lock into the groove with him you just guide need, i know you gotta have the yeah. guitar you gotta have the yeah. guitar and i could almost have nothing else in my mix and i yep. would still be able to play a great show yeah crack just, crack yeah. a crack an ear and and hear your kit and his guitar and you're like i can do this it's like yeah. you're all set you're all set and yeah. in a pinch um, you know, if you have, if you have like a, a crappy wedge situation, be like, all right, just, just give me the guitar and I'll, yeah. and I'll figure it out. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I know. God, God bless you, dude. Yeah. Seriously. Like working with, working with guys <clears throat> with that at mentality for me, uh, is, uh, is what makes it fun and like not so stressful for, for us. Because like, again, if you're with a good crew, who's like, just, they want seriously, they want the best for everybody on that stage. And you feel the love and you feel, man, there's like, like with Christina Perry, we had that, we had a, we had a nice big crew. We had a nice big band. It was a tight, you know, it was 12 people on a bus. We were all one big family. It didn't matter if you were just the merch guy or if you were what it like, it's a great feeling. And, uh, and, and we'd have those, we'd have those moments where everybody knew like guys, 
it's like RF RF tonight in for your ears is just completely fucked. Oh, it's garbage. Like, I, yeah. It's dropout everywhere. There's spikes and hisses and shit that the crowd never would ever know that's going on just inside all your heads. And yeah, you know, and, and to walk off stage and be like, you know, thanks brother. I know, I know that you guys did everything you could. It's just like, dude, thank you. Cause like, yes, we did. And that is the episode. Make sure you go to jessehumphrey.com. Hit the merch button at the home page you can also check out the after the gig tab and check out the dates coming up for carbon leaf all in that one spot so check that out thank you so much for listening and i will see you next week you would not believe your eyes if 10 million fireflies lit up the world as i fell asleep Fill the open air And leave teardrops everywhere You'd think me rude But I would just stand and stare I'd like to make myself believe That planet Earth turns slowly It's hard to say that I'd rather stay awake When I'm asleep Cause everything is never as it seems Cause I get a thousand hugs From ten thousand lightning bugs As they try to teach me how to dance A fox trot above my head A sock hop beneath my bed A disco ball is just hanging by a thread Thread
Cause my dreams are bursting at the seams